Okay. Matthew chapter 10. Awesome. Um, episode 15. Here we go. Okay, so chapter 10 starts with Jesus calling unto him his 12 disciples. He's, it says here it, he gave them authority mm. over unclean spirits. Mm. Um, did they not have this authority before? No. They were called and then Jesus, who had been baptized and went through the temptations in the wilderness, is now empowered. He, the Holy Spirit fell upon him in his baptism. Mm. Now he's empowered to give his power and authority to others. Okay. Um, okay, so that I asked, why does he decide now to give them that authority? That's, that's kind of why. Yeah. It, it, it kind of a chronology. that pattern. Okay. Yeah. They had to get it from somebody, and it was going to be from him, and it's spiritual in nature. Okay. So, um, so why is it, why does he specifically give them authority to cast out unclean spirits and heal all manner of disease and sickness? Those are the things. Yeah. It was prophesied that he would be the one who would save them and redeem them, and so that's what they were doing in his name. They were doing it in his name. So we, these were signs to a people who otherwise had no way to be free from demons or to be healed. Okay, so those were like, those were like the most apparent things to people of that time yeah. that would like tell them, yeah, it's miraculous. Yeah. Okay. Because I don't know if that unclean spirits like that wouldn't be a thing today. Well, some people believe it? it's a thing today. They believe that there are unclean spirits in every person who's mentally ill and um, that it's a demon in them and they need to have those demons cast out. Okay. Uh, but then uh, they were all called unclean spirits. And who knows, maybe there's an overlap of those two things. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So um, I've heard lately from different people about the association of the number 12 with just like mystical, astrological, whatever. Is there a reason that there's 12 apostles? 12 is a huge number in scripture. It's big with the uh, Jewish uh, Kabbalists who are like the esoteric arm of Judaism. They -hmm. believe in a lot of mystical stuff. Numerology was huge with Jews. Okay. So uh, they think there's probably something to do with that 12, three, Six, all seven, huge yeah. numbers in scripture. Okay. But I don't go too much into numerology because, you know, it's kind of, you can make it what you want it to make. You know, a lot of people yeah. will say, if you take those two parts and divide them yeah. by two and then multiply it by seven and get it, then it gives you, yeah, I don't. You can do that, but there's some like really blatant ones. There are. Just right there. And a lot of those numbers are representative. Seven is like a representative number. Mm-hmm. It doesn't ne- necessarily mean seven actual. It just means the perfect number of things. Mm-hmm. A thousand does not mean a thousand to a Jew. Mm-hmm. A thousand meant all of something. I see. Yeah. So you don't, like, I feel, I won't go into this too much, but I just wondered, like, math, I don't know, I think, I feel like these numbers have specific powers in math, even, you know, three, a triangle, Mm -hmm. strength in materials is associated with that, like, it's all kind of connected, Mm -hmm. so I just wondered if, is there a chance that there, that's part of, like, the way, 
Sure. It was a Briton. Sure. Or something. Yeah, and that's what that's what people prove is through numerology. They prove God's hand in a mathematical way in yeah. how the word is put together. And there's like a whole devoted thing to it. Okay. You uh, just I just don't, don't do spend to it because I just yeah. don't know and I can't prove. Yeah. It seems a little bit out there in the spiritual metaphysical realm Mm -hmm. but i'm not saying there's nothing to it and you might relate to it more and find meaning in that so i kind of do just liking math yeah but yeah i don't know um okay so um i also wanted to ask is there a reason it was do you think it could have been any 12 people like it feels like he kind of encountered people as he was walking along and those were them like, do you think it was specific to these 12? Honestly, truly, honestly, yeah. I believe they were all from his area. I believe that they were brothers in many sense. Yeah. Most of the apostles were related. I think he knew them growing up, and I think he knew of their character. And he later says, I know who I picked. Okay. He will say that. So I think he knew him, and I think that maybe there was a situation where he didn't know someone, and he spotted Matthew at uh, collecting t- taxes, and and he was led to take. But yeah. I think he definitely knew some of them, was acquainted with them. Yeah, which is reason why people will say it's like conspiracy yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's. It's more reasonable to say he knew them. Right. It was just like. It was regional and it's... Yeah, and he grew up in yeah. Nazarene in Galilee and he knew the area. And yeah, yeah, of course. And they were from Galilee, the same area. Yeah. We know that because they had uh, Galileans had a certain speech impediment that revealed they were Galilean. Huh. So when they would speak, other people who were not Galileans would say, we know where you're... It'd be like somebody from Ar- Arkansas coming wow. in, even though we can't tell the difference yeah. between Texas and Arkansas. <laughs> but they would be able to pinpoint it with the way they spoke. Huh. And that's like voiced in the scripture. Yeah. They're like, oh, you're a Galilean because yeah. of this impediment. Oh, yeah. Wow. Because when Jesus is uh, on trial, uh-huh. Peter is warming himself by the fire of his enemies. And one of the people there, a lady says, you knew him. Hmm. You were part of him. And he said, I don't know him. And they're like, you're, you're very Galilean accent proves you do. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> This is so just like narrowing this story into real life. Yeah, I just don't know what I feel about it. Yeah, it's really it's beautiful. Like we had this talk one time when I was studying. I don't want to go on tangent, but studying architecture, like learning that Frank Lloyd Wright was actually like not this crazy genius. He was influenced by like that's kind of the same thing. People make it. But they make it so big when, in fact, it was a real story of a real yeah. person in a real area with real friends. Jesus was a real, like, had a brothers and a mother, yeah. and, like, it refers to them. Yes. Yeah, it's not. And, and what people desire is something more perfect. Yeah. They want, he came out of nowhere and was supernatural, and he magically called that guy and yeah. this one. They, we like that. Yeah. But when it, God says, I'm going to do it in real time here. Yeah. yeah. But, the, and how does that... C- compared to other like Jesus figures and other religions, they all seem to be normal people too. Seem to be. That, 
took yeah. on something. Okay. Yeah. Muhammad was a regular guy, you know, a Buddha under uh-huh. the bow tree. There was an actual bow tree that he yeah. sat under and suffered in people. You know, most things are in that realm of there being some reality yeah. to them. I feel like Christians want to prove Christianity by saying Jesus is so different from those yeah. types of people or yeah. something. Yeah. But it's it's not the way to prove it. There, I, there's other questions I'll get to that seem to be more the reason, but... Yeah, they, they will try to, like, super inflate him yeah. so that... and But then when they do that, what they do is they remove him from being one of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it's like, well, what's the deal of not sinning if you're yeah. the super, superman? The point of Jesus is for God to be at our level right. and relate to us yes. for us to be able to like reach God. Yes. And you'll, we'll find as we get closer and closer, even when it comes to carrying his own cross, he couldn't do it. He needed help. Mm. You know, a, a super, you know, a Nordic God yeah. would pick his cross up, <laughs> but not Jesus. No. Huh. Yeah. This is very interesting. So, um, Uh, Verse 5 and 6, Jesus tells them to not even go near Gentiles and Samaritans to just go to the lost sheep of the house house of Israel. Israel. Why? He did not come for anybody else in the world but his own. He came from a line of Jews. He came to share a message with those people and nobody else. And that's why we say Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts is all about part of the Old Testament where their Messiah comes in mm. and is speaking only to them. Mm-hmm. So when someone reads these things and tries to apply it to themselves as a Gentile, what he says, you can't really do it. That's why we need Paul. Mm. Paul is the one who intersects between Judaism and Gentiles. Okay. And he explains things in a better way than what Jesus is saying because Jesus is talking to his own okay. who were under the law. Yeah, like you would think that... Yeah, this already, I feel like I'm getting such a narrow part of Christianity reading this. Yeah. And there's so much else that's being talked about in the world that I'm like, why is that talked about when it says it right here? But you're what yeah. you're saying, there's like a lot more to the story, yeah. which is obvious, So in principle, but. we borrow from what he says, you know, forgive, turn the other cheek. But he says right there in the writings to his apostles, don't go to anybody but the mm. lost sheep of the house of Israel. Okay, so, and then he gives them instruction um, I was struck by the instructions. I didn't understand why he, he, they're like really adamant. I didn't real. they're like very specific mm-hmm. and like, do not do this mm-hmm. freely give and freely receive no wallet for your journey for the labor is worthy of his food. I kind of didn't get that part. He's saying what you do for me, uh, you're earning your keep. That's what mm. he's saying. The labor is worthy of what they receive. You're out there laboring for me, so you you are worthy to receive. That's what he meant. But he's saying don't freely receive. Oh, freely yeah. receive. Freely oh. receive. Yeah. Okay. It's don't be guilt. Don't feel bad that somebody is giving you food on my oh. behalf. Shh. Don't feel bad if somebody's on my behalf. Uh, take it because you're worthy of your hire. Okay. Um, okay. So. He can when he continues to give them instruction. I, I, it seems like stuff that would be principally applied to us mm. for some reason. Like, but it does. 
like given the context, I feel like none of this is to us, obviously, mm -hmm. even principally, mm -hmm. but a lot of it is so like things like salute each house. If it isn't worthy, let your peace return to you. Shake the dust off your feet if you aren't successful with someone. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's kind of something someone would think now too, or mm -hmm. like apply to themselves. But that, I'm trying. I throughout all of this, I've been trying to gauge like this should be applied. This has nothing to do with me. It's not easy, is it? Yeah. Because I mean, that principally does it make sense logically when you go someplace if they won't receive you. Just kind of dust that experience off and go to yeah. the next place. That's what you'd tell like a salesman of AT&T phones. Yeah, like right. it's a principle that I would apply to me. But then just two verses ago, we're saying it's really specific that he's just talking yes. to them. So I don't want to cross those lines. Well, I mean, that's where how the spirit guides. And so just because it's to the Jews and there, or just because it's in the Old Testament and not part of where you come from, if it has a principle that makes sense and is wise, you might as well use it. There's nothing wrong with that. But you can't take it and make it a law, you know? Okay. So for instance, the Mormons take that passage and they mm. actually have a priesthood right where missionaries, if they go to a door and the person rejects them, they will literally dust the feet, the off, and then they have this belief, at least when I was Mormon, that God's uh, curse would fall upon that house. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's actual a cursing. They've made it a cursing. But this is just a colloquialism that Jesus used. Hey, listen, just, you know, yeah. dust your feet, move on to the next place, you know. It, That's it, actually practiced by Mormons. Yeah. Yeah. That's the problem with taking yeah. directives given to a Jewish people from a Jewish Messiah yeah. in that culture and then taking it and assigning it literally to our day. It's one example. Yeah, I, I have trouble, though, the, with the inverse of being like, well, it's a principle, like you, like what you just said. You could, well, there's no harm in applying it. I feel like there is harm if it wasn't to us and like thinking. Well, then don't do it. That's how you have liberty in the word. It moves you according. You have the liberty to choose. And I don't think God is saying you should have told him to dust the feet or you shouldn't have told him to dust the feet. It's just mm -hmm. you're free in him. Okay. All right. Um, okay, so... Jesus, I, I was also in this time, verses 19 through 21, Jesus speaks to them really, really, really urgently. Everything seems to be so like one-to-one. -one. The spirit will literally give them the words right there. Yeah. Brother will deliver brother up to death, like right there. And I just don't, I just wanted to know, like, I don't feel like that's even remotely the case now. Do you okay. think that that's the case? No, I think it's a great observation on your part as someone who's just starting to read the Bible to see, A, Jesus just came to the house of Israel. B, some of the things he said couldn't possibly be to us today. They couldn't possibly be to us today. So that causes us to say, well, if they're not, then what is for us today? Mm. And then you step back and say, and why was he saying those things? Mm -hmm. The context of Jesus' message to his 12 was urgent because the great and dreadful day was coming and his own had to receive him as the Messiah to be saved from it. Mm -hmm. That's the urgency you're reading about there. Okay. So when he says brother will be turned against brother, that's in the context of Jews turning against Jews and there being this horrible day to come upon them. Mm -hmm. So everything he says in there is related to that coming dreadful day and his apostles going out to his own and saying, get ready. If you don't receive the real Messiah, you're going to be subject to what mm -hmm. happens then. Well, that it that side of it kind of 
isn't hard for me to grasp as much as what I do now. Like I'm trying to read this and see like, okay, that was for them. But like, there was a time where the spirit directly spoke to someone Mm -hmm. like, is that for me? Like, will the spirit even speak to me directly? Will I have to give up my brother unto death at any point? Or is that just, is it completely the opposite now? It's black and white in your part when you think that way. It's more like um, if you were in a family and you received Christ and you really changed your life, but your brother or sister hated you because you came from an atheist home. Mm -hmm. And you read that passage and you say, wow, that's been going on forever in his name. Mm -hmm. You know, that they would turn. And it doesn't mean like, it just means, does it help you where you are in your life? Mm -hmm. The reading and the example that was given. That's how I would see it. Okay. Does that help? Yeah. It's not black and white. It's, you know yeah okay um okay then so i wonder about the times that he describes who will be saved i'm finding that the word saved is becoming really confusing to me like really i do not get it he says you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake he that endures to the end he that endures to the end the same shall be saved i know what does like he is literally and almost in every case talking about saved from the great and dreadful day that was promised to come upon the nation okay. at that time almost every time but if you're saved from the great and dreadful day you would also be saved from the prison part of hell okay and you will be saved to the kingdom after this life so saved has a bunch of different applications okay when it's used most christians don't understand that the major point was saved from the great and dreadful day that's coming okay yeah so you've talked about yeah saved from saved to yeah saved from i thought right now like when you've talked about that before i've thought that save from and save to were both applicable to our lives, but it seems like saved from was only for those people. Yeah. Then. Yeah. Like they're safe. Like, cause we don't have the great and dreadful day. Right. Then. Right. So we're not saved from that. Right. But you could also add that he was saying, if you believe on the Messiah, you'll be saved from your sin. Yeah. Okay. That's where, that's yeah. the other save that's yeah. kind of getting me. And, but today, uh, that is true too because upon faith you're saved from the bondage that your sin has on you okay so it's a principle but it's not applied in the same way it was meant there so like we wouldn't necessarily say i will be hated of all men for his name's sake and if i enter to the end i'll be saved from my sin no 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 because saved in our day has a different application for instance if he's already paid for the sin of the world then how are you going to be saved from it? Yeah. It's already been done. Yeah. So you have to know the scripture to be able to make those distinctions. If you don't, you will just take passages like that and make them applicable to today yeah. and say, everybody hates me because I'm a Christian, mm-hmm. you know, but if I endure, I'll be saved to the kingdom at the end. And it, you, ha- you can't do that unless you're an infant in the word. Yeah. But when you start to see the permutations of words like saved, you start to understand what was really happening there better. It seems like it would be best for someone like me in this position, reading it for the first time, to just look at it literally and say, 
he's saying you will be say the say no you shall be hated of all men the same shall be saved he's saying that to them like i'm just not gonna take anything to myself until it's like believers yeah generally will be saved yeah but it kind of is doing that now kind, that's the problem that, okay. there is a spiritual point to it for believers but that has to come by virtue of you the problem is most people ignore that literally take that even though we just read it's not to gentiles yeah. and they apply it to the world yeah. today and it's that's the whole thing we argue against okay. is this literalness Ooh, right. 20 minutes with delaney <laughs> is like a second in paradise <laughs> See you next time. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Are we just going to pick it up from there?